Hello and welcome to Brains and Bellies with Ama Mama. Today we have with us Phoebe Robinson Galvin, who is a woman of many talents, and we'll be talking to her about lots of things, but specifically something I think we all can relate to what nourishes you and how to build and keep your ojas, which is the Ayurvedic term we use for the juice of life. Ama Mama fuses together ancient Ayurvedic techniques with more modern functional nutritional therapy methods in order to heal the body and mind. Using food as medicine as our mantra, we examine the bodily systems at play while simultaneously getting to the root cause of your health issue using two different systems perspectives. Beth English Myers, a nutritional therapist, and Carrie Jenkins, an Ayurvedic health counselor, will help identify what patterns in your life may be making you feel unwell, be it diet, lifestyle, physical or spiritual. So join us here on Thursdays for Brains and Bellies with Ama Mama. And here's the show. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Phoebe. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, We're so excited. This is a very special episode for us and for me in particular. Uh, We're going to be talking about what nourishes you. We're going to be talking about strength. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about what nourishes us as women, we're all three women, what gives us fire in our belly, what what gives us balance, what get, makes us feel strong. And this is a really important episode for brains and bellies, but it's really personal to me as well, because a lot of uh, the strength that I work on for myself, get so much of that from the work I do with Phoebe, because I, I have the privilege of working with Phoebe to do uh, with personal training. So I get a wonderful workout from Phoebe, but we always spend a lot of time on the mental aspect, which I find um, just as important, if not more. So welcome, Phoebe. Welcome, Phoebe. It's exciting Um, to be here. uh, So Phoebe, I just want to say we're both, we both live in, um, in South London, and I live in the Wandsworth area. Phoebe's now moved a little farther out. Phoebe is also Brutus's owner. Brutus is the famous French bulldog that I have the privilege of looking after sometimes. So some of our listeners may know. Phoebe, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you came to the amazing work that you do? Yes, my name is Phoebe Robinson Galvin. I am 31 years old. I'm born and raised in London. I started out my journey as a, I always wanted to be a professional dancer since I was like three. That was my calling. That's all I wanted to do it was all I was good at, <laughs> as well as sports and arguing. Apparently, I was pretty good at that. I did well in my GCSEs, <laughs> just arguing points. Um, but yeah, that was what my entire life's focus was. So I did that and pursued that. I wanted, I very specifically knew what I wanted to do, which was helpful. I wanted to be a commercial dancer, I wasn't interested in musical theater, etc. I did that. I did that my whole career and I had a career in that and I danced for lots of amazing artists such as Drake and Rihanna and and then I kind of got to the top of that or near to the top and thought if this is the top I'm not sure I want it because I didn't feel happy I didn't feel good um I wasn't being nurtured as an artist the opportunities I were I was being given were limited and overly sexualized and I just didn't I wasn't fulfilled and I couldn't see that ever changing unless I stepped away. I come from a family of martial artists and stuntmen and actors all male. I am me and my little sister are the two to carry that on 
in our generation. And to do that, I, I sort of left the dance industry. I had been doing martial arts for a few years at the same time. I went to L.A., on a mission. By that point, I had been doing Muay Thai for about five or six years, going to Thailand pretty much every year to train. I met when I was 20 years old, I'm going back and forth here, a lady called Penny Thomas, who's one of the best in her field at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. From that moment in San Diego, I knew that Jiu-Jitsu was going to have a hold. It was it was like a premonition. I just knew that Jiu-Jitsu was going to have the biggest hold of my life than anything else ever would. I didn't know how and I didn't know when. And I danced for another five years after that when I got to 25. I went to LA and I pursued Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Whilst I was there, I'd never had any heroes or idols, but Ronda Rousey was the only person idolized ever for all of her, the great and, and the ugly, the whole shebang. I was in LA and I was speaking to someone about, you know, with conviction about how much I idolized her. And they're like, oh, she's my training partner around the corner at this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And I was like, keep your cool, keep your cool. Uh-huh. And she, they were like, do you want to do you want to meet her? And I was like, oh my God, my, my whole life has been leading up to this moment. This is destiny. This is why I came to LA. Anyway, long story short, went there, met her. She cried on me. It was a whole thing. She was like, I needed to meet you in this moment. It was this like cosmic aligning moment. Um, she had a huge fight coming up with Holly Holm. I'll never forget her words. You know, she said, I feel like I've got the whole weight of the world on my shoulders. And I said to her, you're just one of the most phenomenal women on this planet. It doesn't matter what you do. You just have to do you. And it was just this moment. And she said, why are you here? What are you doing here? And it was the first time I'd said out loud these words, I want to be a stunt woman and I want to act. She was like, well, you're in the place for it. A whole bunch of other things happened after, after that encounter. But I came back to London uh, about Three months after that encounter, I was working on uh, Wonder Woman, the, the movie. Um, I had gone in for an audition, not knowing what, even what it was for, and had just pulled all my skills together as best I could at that moment as a dancer, as someone who had been in front of a camera uh, a lot, uh, as a performer. And by the grace of God, I, I got that opportunity. And it was just to this day, one of the biggest and most powerful opportunities I've ever gotten and something I'm just eternally grateful for. So that is my version of a very bad <laughs> condensed story. Well, if I could just say, I think what really strikes me in everything you're saying, and again, because I know you so well, Phoebe, everything, your journey is there's so much strength, uh, the strength of being a dancer, being a performer, that bravery, uh, going into martial arts, which is, I find so cerebral, so challenging. Meeting Rhonda, again, all that female strength. And I just got chills when you talked about meeting Rhonda and she cried. That I, And I think you and I talk about that a lot. Like there is this, we're working on being so strong, but that we're allowing that vulnerability. I just find that so incredibly interesting. It's, it's really interesting because... You know, I, I went to LA to train Brazilian Jiu Jitsu that laid, that led me to, to Ronda. And then from there, I ended up coming back to the UK and, and it's been my life ever since. And that was six years ago and it took over. And that's where I also met my partner. I will be engaged to marry. He, I was one of the first female students that he has had. I'm the only female student he's had from white belt to black belt. When I started, it was just me. And then there's a, one other girl. And now there's a whole bunch of girls. And he had to learn how to coach women. And that experience and bouncing off what you just said was super interesting. The things that he's told me about learning that because it is a different thing. We are not a rational, um, how can I say this? Men think rationally and, and, and women think emotionally. 
So the mm-hmm. rationale comes slightly secondary. And for the for a man, the emotion comes slightly secondary. That's the general rule as such or, or findings. And so, for example, crying on the mats for a girl is a very normal thing of frustration. Yeah, yeah. We, we all cry. <laughs> we be crying on the mats a lot. <laughs> and not because we're hurt. Usually that's the last reason we'll cry. Um, but more, I think, this is my theory, I think it's to go back to cave women and caveman times the woman would fight to protect the family. So it was an emotional fight. That's when a woman would fight. But a man fights to provide. That's a very, very different reason to fight. And so, yeah, women on the mats, it's a very different thing. And understanding that, and and guys used to get so freaked out when the girls would cry on the mats, they still find it uncomfortable. They're like, did I do something wrong? Why are they crying? Uh, Stop crying. Um, And now it's, you know, they're they're starting to understand us more as well. And yes, that vulnerability, that emotion that's very present, that's becoming so much more socially acceptable in men and women now. And I think it's so important. Really interesting, Phoebe. I I don't know much about uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu at all, but it's interesting when I think of the things you're talking about from an Ayurvedic perspective, just first of all, the whole idea of dancing, athletic, jiu-jitsu, any of this stunt woman type of, of activity that you're doing is very, in, in, the, in the world of dosha, it would be considered very pitta, very, very heated. So there's a lot of heat, there's a lot of competition, and you have to have a little bit of that in your constitution in order to pursue those activities. One thing that I feel we see in Ayurveda, and also just you may see this in the work that you do, is that when you have some some pitta, some of this heat and strength, and then you move forward into a career that kind of encourages that, it can be really difficult to allow especially for women, that soft part of our femininity to kind of show show itself. And one of the biggest remedies I have in Ayurveda for someone that is experiencing a lot of pitta in their system is to surrender. And it's not any herb, it's not any food, it's actually the physical surrender and crying is a beautiful way to represent surrender. And it's just interesting when you look at kind of the more physiological things that happen when someone has high pitta, anything from OCD to IBS or diarrhea or skin issues heat like just think heat there's heat in the blood there's heat everywhere and one of the organs that's very connected to this is liver so we see lots of liver issues so we're always trying to do things to kind of cool that liver to nourish the liver and i don't know if either uh, beth or phoebe if you've heard about or maybe the listeners but one of the best ways to soften the liver is through crying. Tears soften liver chi. This is like a very Eastern philosophical comment made in order to help the the liver along with other things we can do both nutritionally and and otherwise. But so I, I think it's really interesting that you in your line of work are bringing tears onto the mat. And I love hearing that because it leads me to believe that that female energy is being celebrated along with the power and strength of the male energy. Definitely. And we're living in a time now where women are being given a voice far more than they ever have been. And this makes men have to listen. It's a learning experience for men too. It's a different time for them also. They're learning as well how to navigate this. Jiu-Jitsu used to be for the tough guys on the streets of Rio de Janeiro in the 90s. Oh my goodness. Suddenly you've got a blonde girl in Wandsworth 
training it and crying on the mats. So for that generation of, of man to then be confronted with that and to be able to confront that with empathy and nurturing mentality rather than an opposing mentality is it's a learning curve for everyone and it's so interesting the things that you just said because all of the things that you just listed as things that present themselves as like fire or or you know symptoms I've struggled with all of them mm. throughout life tell us about that Phoebe because you I mean you and I have bonded we've had conversations about this explain to us how the how heat would present in you and did you find the more intense your training and the more intense your your physical work was was there a connection to signs in the body so many layers to this and I I think I'm still learning about myself and and understanding all of it one major aspect for me that really is like the antidote to the fire is um, self-acceptance I think my fire was set on fire in a really unbalanced unhealthy way by constantly chasing a, a goal and honestly that comes from trauma to work, 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 mustn't stop, mustn't stop, mustn't stop. To be honest, I think I've discovered it comes from not feeling good enough. I think when I really got real about the fact that I was always tired, I wasn't well, I hadn't been well for a really long time. I was ignoring it, ignoring it. Just go, 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 go. Don't stop, don't stop. I was suffering emotionally, physically, and spiritually, which I've only been able to distinguish over the last few years. But, you know, on Wonder Woman, I was part of the stunt team. I had, I felt I had a lot to prove. And at that time of my life, I was depressed. I was depressed and, and not diagnosed. I was depressed for very specific reasons. I had acne on all one side of my face from a stomach condition that had never been diagnosed. I was in pain all day, every day. When my alarm would go off in the morning, I literally every single day felt like I hadn't slept in a week. And to get through that day was the biggest challenge I would face just to be able to get through it. I would go to hair and makeup with all my face covered already in in makeup. And they would be like, wow, it's 5 a.m. and you've got your face done. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've just I thought I'd make your job easier for you. I've learned what you do. But actually, it was because I could not be seen. My, my skin was so bad. There was a whole bunch of things going on. And I was on the biggest job of my life, presented with the biggest opportunity. I wanted to do well. I wanted to prove myself for so many reasons. I put so much pressure on myself. I felt like I was representing my family. I, I felt like this was going to lead to so many other things. I felt that, you know, it goes deeper now that I've done so much therapy and work on myself. I understand it's also a lot to do with my relationship with my father and needing approval and wanting to be seen because these those things in me were never nurtured the nature versus nurture argument is very interesting because I wound up doing the same thing as my family without actually knowing really what they did um I knew that they did those things I had no idea to what extent and then getting on the job and and people knowing who my family were to me was absolutely mind-blowing because I didn't know these things about my family I wound up there without that nurture and that feeling that I needed to prove myself all the time was so toxic for me this fire thing is very strong in me but I'm really sensitive as a person I see this a lot in a lot of women that that are very driven and and focused they're also extremely soft and and 
and, and sensitive people and they often need to take time to themselves and don't and that builds and builds and builds and it, it, this is just something I've noticed in myself and therefore in people that I guess I gravitate toward recognizing these things has taken me a long time I love everything you just said and, and thank you for for sharing that with us and I think we've got a photo of you from the from the set from Justice League from Wonder mm. Woman um, dressed mm. in character as an Amazon oh, oh sorry but what were the the warriors yeah yeah I was on, I was on Amazon Amazon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you are so strong in this photo. And I just think what's so interesting is what you're saying, you are that strong, and you're all those things. But yet, for me, it's a really good analogy to the the armor we put on ourselves every day. But underneath it, we may be there might be a different story, which comes back to what we're our theme of nourishing. So how can we feed those aspects mm-hmm. so that we, we feel we can't be super women Amazons every single day? How can we nurture so that the spectrum isn't so intense so we can go into that mode but then come back to restoration resting and digesting I, I always think of fight and flight along with the fight and flight and rest and digest is that beautiful image we have of the yin and the yang oh yeah it's yeah. such a balanced image and when you think of those words yin and yang we have similar words in ayurveda and sanskrit called brahmana and mangana they're very interchangeable between yin and yang. But when we look at yin and yang, it's essentially what we're discussing right now. Got the kind of yang qualities, which I have to say in our culture, yang is very praised and it's the male energy. It's that, you know, intensity, it's the fire, work, 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 achieve, 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 be hard, be firm. The opposite, the yin or the brahmana in in Ayurveda would be considered the opposite of all those qualities. It's the softness, it's the wetness, the water, the slow, all those things. And when you think of those two opposite energies, I have to tell you, the yin or the brahmana is not encouraged in our culture. We do not encourage, move slower, put your feet up, relax, lie down on the couch, Mm -hmm. eat some ice cream. Any of those things are (laughs) definitely not encouraged and they're very female. So back to what you were saying before, Phoebe, it's interesting also that you're having this whole experience watching yourself and other women your age kind of succeeding and and using both of these qualities together. Whereas, you know, Beth and I are in a a different age bracket in a different generation. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that I don't think either Beth or I, well, I should speak for myself at your age, would have been able to bring that kind of female energy in the same way because it was, it simply wasn't allowed. We didn't allow it as women, men couldn't accept it as men. And so I feel like it's partially a mirror to what is happening in our society currently as well. It's so, it's fascinating to me. I think something that was really interesting was that the more aligned I got with being okay with the fact that I'm sensitive, being okay with the fact that I get overwhelmed with my own emotion, being okay with the fact that I cannot do eight things in a day. And I had been doing that for years. The place I'm at now, I could still do that, but I would not be who I am. I would be unwell. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important, the things that you just said about, it's, it's really praised to like hustle, grind. And I was totally in that zone for so long. Like, just keep going, you know, smash another thing. You know, you've got to outwork everyone. You've got to be the best. Da-da-da. But one question that I asked myself about five years ago changed 
everything for me. And that was, what is your definition of success? When I really thought about it, I, I was like, okay, to, to, to be top of my game. Okay, but if I'm at the top of my game and I'm unwell, is that successful? No, okay, so let's rethink about your answer here. If I'm at the top of my game and I'm well, but I'm alone, is that successful? No, okay, so let's really think about this again. If I'm at the top of my game, I'm well, and I have a partner, is that successful? Kind of, what's my relationship like with that person who's in my life, who's around me? How do I feel on a day-to-day basis? And then I started to design my life in a different way. It was like goals with soul. Goals with soul. How do I want to feel, not what do I want to be? And suddenly the priority list in my life went on its head. Mm -hmm. And I'm still working on that on a daily basis. But my goodness, has that helped me be as true to myself as, as possible. And my relationships with people have changed because of that. That's such a blessing. I feel so much more seen than I was when I was trying. What now just being I'm seen uh, and because I feel enough. It's funny how that happens, right? And and also, you know, me and Beth have spoken about this many times, but really taking the time to understand why I was unwell. And um, I had found a really good nutritionist at that point in my life called Stephen Grant, who I'd been referred to by a stunt woman um, on Wonder Woman. I'd seen like every person under the sun at this point in my life and and yeah so that that next kind of phase has changed so so many things that were to come for my health yeah so finally getting um to the right person and I know Phoebe and I discuss this quite often how it can take a really long time to find that person and mm. isn't it also that's something Carrie and I would love to be a part of changing that that these practices become more accessible not so hard to obtain. Going back to all the principles Carrie and I talk about, Phoebe, what are some of the daily practices that you've learned to nourish yourself so that you're you're feeling well, body, mind, spirit, soul? I don't always stick to these things, but I really try. And most of the time I do. And that's why I'm in a different kind of place. I am very selective about the people that I spend my time with. That's a huge one for me. I'm um, someone that can easily get emotionally pulled in the environment in whatever environment I'm in so I have to be really selective about only having people around me that really want to see me and see me win and not pretend that they do because I feel that subconsciously or consciously so that's the first one I talk about how I feel a lot (laughs) to the my friends might not uh, like that but um they're very good at listening to me I try I try not to let things build men also not dwell you know I have a very good Mm -hmm. friend that's in a different disc put it down. Oh, sometimes that's all I needed to hear. So she, you know, Sam, she's, she's one of my really close friends and I need to get this thing out and talk it out. But when it's the fifth time I've, I've talked it out in a week, she's like, you need to spin a different disc because you're driving yourself bananas. And now you're just dwelling. Now you're just making it reality. Right. So that's, that's one thing I try to have as much balance as possible now which is really difficult for me because the OCD thing that you kind of mentioned or I should say the obsessive compulsive for me is a big thing that I have to just snap that right away cut that in half stop recognize when I'm doing it over training over thinking over planning over uh, controlling just trying to control the outcome all the time 
And for me, I'm Christian. So something that helps me is I put my faith back in God and understand that I'm never really in control and that everything is always conspiring for my greatest good. Being responsible is one thing, but being controlling is another thing. So trying to recognize that. And then I I tried to eat pretty well and also, again, not control it too much because I've been through most of my life doing that. Control, 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 control. Won't eat this because I want to look like this. Um, We'll only eat this because I need more protein because I want more muscle because, you know, I train a lot and I used to do like bodybuilding competitions back in the day. And that mentality was super damaging for me because I'm a big foodie. And suddenly I just saw food as calories and, and it was just not good. So for example, this week I've sat on my sofa and I've had nice lolly. That for me is a breakthrough. It's nice and cooling. Totally. I don't feel bad about it. Hurrah. I can eat an ice lolly without feeling guilty because I have one life and I don't know who I think I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm never going to not eat sugar. I'm actually not a big sugar person. I'm not going to sit on my sofa and feel bad about eating an ice lolly for goodness sake. So it's taken a long time to get there, but these are the mm. things that I like to practice about a bit more balance because I can get out of balance. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's one that all three of us can agree on that. Our listeners as well. I, as someone once said to me, this whole idea of balance, it's like that unicorn next to the rainbow. It's, but we're trying to get there, but uh, we're all constantly zigging and zagging back and forth. So we want to return. Nutrition, we talk a lot about homeostasis, the body always trying to get back into balance. Uh, we're going to be whacked in one way or the other, but we just keep trying to get back there. Mm. Uh, I think that's the journey. I just want to put out there this term we use in Ayurveda a lot called ojas, which if you're interested in Ayurveda, you've definitely heard that. And it may be confusing for people, but it's really translated best as the juice of life or juiciness. And when you look at your life, the way you just described it, uh, Phoebe, um, which by the way, is so beautiful. And I love that you have discovered all these things at your age, because you know, there are many people that are in their 50s, 60s, even 70s that are just discovering it now. So bravo to you on that. But this this idea of juiciness, when you think of any aspect of your life, whether it is building your career, building your health, building a child, building a family, achieving a dream that you have, if you think of the qualities that are opposite of ojas, dryness, stiffness, none of that will come. None of those ideals will come unless you have this juice. So our body needs the juice, our tissues need the juice, our mind needs the juice. We're constantly looking in Ayurveda to help build this ojas. There's great ways to do it nutritionally or with foods, all the common foods that you maybe hear about, milk ghee, tofu, sweet, heavy, kind of unctuous food, those things help build ojas, but also things like love, tenderness to yourself, to others, allowing yourself to feel, allowing yourself to rest, allowing yourself to enjoy that lolly on your couch. Those are all also building ojas. So I think it's a good thing for people to just remember if you're confused, does this or does this not build ojas? Just think of those two qualities, juiciness versus dryness, both emotionally and physically, and you'll, you'll be uh, geared toward the right direction. That's really beautiful. I, I, I love everything you're saying there. And I believe everything is connected. Nutrition is a huge part of my life. And um, I love I love food, really, mm. what it comes down to. Um, I love food. I love how it makes me feel. I love the fact that I get to eat with people that I love. Food's just, it's just juicy, right? And in, in every sense of 
of what you just said and it's all connected working with Beth find that's filling up my cup that's not emptying my cup because the conversations that we have what I learn from her the things I can bounce off of her as a woman as a nutritionist as a mother these are things that are so filling for me the more I think that we can fill up the more our physical spiritual and mental well-being improves and it's it's difficult because we're not taught these things. Carrie and I are really passionate about that. And I think that's also where going back to to where we are in our lives. I'm for I'm 48, about to turn 49. I really wish I had know I knew I I hate to say it, but I wish I knew so much that I know now when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I was just a high school athlete, a runner. Uh, it never occurred to me to look after myself well. Then how it would affect fertility or affect how I was going into perimenopause. So I just like, I think Carrie, I want to speak for Carrie, but I feel like we're very passionate about getting these aspects into the conversation because all the choices we make throughout our life uh, will affect uh, how our bodies can respond. Um, and we, we come at it from an angle of nourishing, like just giving, mm-hmm. not um, restricting, but supporting and, and really it comes down to nourishment. I, I learn a lot from the things that you're both saying. And I, I love that they're coming from different, that you guys work so well together, but that they're coming from such different points of view, but saying the same thing. I think that's really important that it's really okay to go about things in your way. And actually very often you can go about things in completely different ways whilst reaching for the same thing. There's no one way to reach your goal. There's no one way to live your most fulfilled life it's a constant tweak here it's a constant am I happy here why am I not why am I feeling this where's this coming from who am I with have I been eating well this week have I slept well I wonder why that is I think it's hard and that's why not everyone what does it (laughs) because it involves digging right it involves facing things and and we all have our trauma from our childhood even I had a fantastic childhood but it doesn't no no one escapes that without some things going on there and confronting that it's initially extremely draining often quite painful so we just avoid it because it's easier but I think if if we can and it's an ongoing work forever and ever but I'm certainly so much happier coming out the other side of really good therapy and going into it, not always having like an idea of exactly what I needed, just Mm -hmm. knowing that I was misaligned, knowing that I wasn't my happiest, best self. So something Mm -hmm. must be going on. We are just human having this crazy experience and it's overwhelming sometimes and it can feel very lonely in your own bubble, in your own home. Me and Beth speak about family life a lot what I'm noticing is every woman feels like it's just happening to them and just being able to talk about these things and that life is this huge blessing and we we take it for granted most of us because we just feel invincible and like we're going to have these opportunities forever and that those things would never happen to us and but actually they could and if we lived every day asking ourselves those questions like really am I going to worry about eating an isolate on the sofa when if I got told that I had a condition or something would I would I be worrying about that? That's not a worry. You're you're now making things up, you know, <laughs> Vivi, come yeah. on. And I think the one through line with whatever practice a person has, whether it's nutritional, whether it's spiritual, whether it's Ayurvedic or a little bit 
alternative or Eastern is the one through line is number one, listening to yourself, learning how to really listen. There's always signs, always signs. And then once listening to accept the honest result or the honesty that is being shown to you. So uh, there's a great saying, which I'm sure I've said before on this podcast, but um, in Ayurveda, we have this saying, don't practice crimes against wisdom. And that means when you've listened and you know what you're supposed to be doing, and then you don't practice that thing, that really is what is going to create disease in the, in the body. And a perfect example for this conversation, Phoebe, is I love the description you were giving of going to the set and already putting makeup on. Meanwhile, your body's screaming at you. I have, you know, acne, like something's not well, but, and if you were to just continue to put the, the makeup on which many people do because sometimes people are not willing or ready to hear that kind of honest truth. Um, but to just recognize that if you can get yourself quiet enough on a daily basis, those kind of answers will come to you. Yeah. And, and, you know, after seeing I, I the reason I got in contact with Stephen, um, it, it was because I had been to dermatologists and they kept trying to put me on Roaccutane. And I was like, you guys have got to be kidding. You've not asked me one question about my lifestyle. You've not asked me what to eat. You've not asked me how I feel. You know, like there's no way I'm going to start taking a really powerful drug that makes me light sensitive, that it's going to, you know, mess me up in a lot of ways. I'm not just going to hop on that without you even knowing, you know, how old I am. Come on guys, like this is insane. Mm -hmm. And my gut, no pun intended, instinct was that it was to do with my gut because mm. I'd had IBS umbrella, you know, inverted my whole life and it was worse than ever. So yes, it was really hard also to not just take the drugs <laughs> because, because it would have been a quick fix maybe. And I wouldn't be where, where I am now. It, it's been really difficult because the answer to a lot of what was going on for me was yes, um, I had an imbalance of um, bacteria in my gut that once we s solved and sorted, I didn't have those issues ever again. But also I needed to slow down. And that answer for me was hard to accept because it I was attached to a belief system that I'm not good enough unless I'm always doing something. And to change a belief system is a difficult thing to do. And I've done it and everyone can do it. There's no doubt, but you, you have to really believe a new belief system. And that's what takes time is to change your perspective on how you want to feel and, and how you want to see the world and see yourself and, and therefore see others. Making all those connections again, once again, this is why we're brains and bellies. So it's really making those connections. I love everything you just said. So I think just as we're going towards the end, I wanted to go back to, to Wonder Woman, uh, being an Amazon, our superpowers. Okay. I think we're adding a layer to these superpowers now that we've been talking about the softness and the coolness and coming back down to the, the yin versus the yang. Carrie or Phoebe, which one of you would like to share with us superpower that you would like to practice, let's say today or this week? There's one practice that I love that is very fast. And it basically just requires you to kind of choose one of two statements. The first one is I'm sorry. And the second one is I love you to yourself and just put your hand on your heart. You can choose either and close your eyes and repeat it. You can repeat it out loud or to yourself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you'll notice things starting to stir inside of you. 
you'll notice emotions coming up, memories coming up, all kinds of images will come up. Oftentimes the other statement, in this case, I love you, will also come up. And after you've listened and accepted whatever's happening, stirring inside you, in this case, the I'm sorry statement, then you can kind of move forward with the same thing, hand on heart, close your eyes. I love you. I love you. Same idea to yourself. And do that for five minutes every day. You can do it anywhere. You can do it when you're sitting on the toilet, if you like. <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty simple um, and super powerful. I love that. That makes me really emotional, you know, because of the things that we suppress on a daily basis and the, the narratives and stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves that just aren't true. And both of those things instantly kind of tap in into that. Absolutely. I cry almost every day when I do it. And it definitely softens on the days that I'm feeling hard, it softens that harshness and it gets me back into kind of a more honest way of, of being. Mine's really similar in a different kind of way to live by what touches your heart. I heard something by uh, Tony Robbins. I did one of his courses recently and it was really transformative for me. He said something along the lines of that your pull in your life will last forever, but your push will run out. So I really listened to that, like it landed. And I was like, that's why I was so tired for so long because I, my push had run out and I was still trying to push. And once I got really kind of specific about what touches my heart and what my truth is living by that and checking in with that, I had pull. Every day it was easy. I was just being led, just being led. Jiu-Jitsu is a huge part of that for me. Being, I want to be a technical black belt. And the only way I'm going to get there is if I don't give up. Beth, what about you? Superpower, yes. I've got to run, pick up um, my super child from the super yeah. school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to say, for me, it's much more simple. It would really just be, um, my, one of my favorite things is to make uh, my red lentil soup. Cause I feel like a, I try to be a good witch over the cauldron of the fire. And then that really gives me a lot of power. I don't know, using the spices, uh, making really, really delicious, my, my, my red lentil soup with my cumin and my, um, uh, coriander, et cetera, and, and, uh, red lentils, and then really enjoying that soup. And it's so warm and nourishing it, that truly makes me feel so good. So just a reminder that none of the advice we've given today on this brains and bellies podcast is meant to diagnose or treat any health problems. So please do seek the advice of your doctor for any specific health issue and join us next time for brains and bellies with Ama mama. Remember to rate and review brains and bellies with Ama mama or find out more on our website at amamama.com. That's A-M-M-A hyphen M-A-M-A dot com. See you next time.